House of Run podcast. What are you into these days? Mostly running, Howard. Running. Yeah. Look at Bill! Look at Bill! Coming on! Bill, you're coming on! I'm not thinking about making the team. I'm thinking about gold in Munich. What can I say? I got beat by a zebra. Starts now. Welcome back to the House of Run podcast. Run at gmail.com is our email address. We're on Twitter at House of Run. My name is Kevin Selly. I'm recording in Austin, Texas. I'm joined by Jason Halpin, whose city where he resides, Las Vegas, Nevada, was the host of the biggest event in the running world last weekend, which I, th- I think it could be true. I'm looking at these results, Jason. I'm looking at what's been going on. <laughs> And last weekend might have belonged to the Las Vegas Marathon and Half Marathon. I think so. Yeah, this is this is this is it. You heard the town was a buzz, <laughs> mainly about the strip being closed for an extended period of time and how difficult it was to get around. But mm-hmm. that counts because it was related to running. Um, yeah, it 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 happened. I, I met a listener, Jake. Came in. We, nice. we got a chat for like fifteen twenty minutes. Super cool guy. Um, was wearing a, a Pop Kerr 2020 shirt, which Ooh. I immediately sent a picture to you because I was like, that, this is it's a way to get on our good side right there. Yeah. And then we talked about maybe meeting up afterwards, like uh, after work and stuff for a beer. I went home and just, I'm an old man. I passed out watching TV <laughs> and uh, apologized to him this oh, morning. Sorry, Jake. On behalf of Jason, I'm going to apologize too. That's yeah, not that's a- fair. Not a good look for the podcast. He's supposed to be the one that stays awake and does fun things. I'm the guy who fades into the background and disappears so that's not not a good look uh for us yeah. as a podcast uh did you did you get his commitment to show up to our not scheduled and probably never to happen uh live show in las vegas yeah yeah definitely yeah i'm sure he, he will be there along with uh i mean i'm trying to see what kind of venue size we can get to get that live house of run recording going if you if you don't do a podcast live does your podcast count that's true like it's either got to be true crime or you need to have like periodic live tapings i feel like yeah Those are the two you got to fit in one bucket or the other we could throw in some true crime every once in a you know third segment every week yeah this week on well, we had the track and field SVU going for a while there. That's true. But that was, I'm thinking that was doping related, which I don't know if it was, were they breaking any laws? I guess some some good old drug trafficking across yeah. state, state lines, but it's like nobody would tune in to see executive producer Dick Wolf just do <laughs> drug trafficking. They want something more. All right. It's NCAA Champs Week, Jason, which means I'm... Yeah. I'm... I'd say waist deep, but it's more like shoulders deep in NCAA coverage. I'm heading out there on Thursday. If anybody is out there, let me know. I'm going to be on the broadcast. First time I'm on the broadcast. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Myself with Ryan Fenton, which is kind of cool because that's the first person I heard associated with the company way back in, well, when I did some stuff with them in like 2011, it was with Ryan Fenton. And that'll be cool to actually be on the broadcast. He was, yeah, on our podcast probably around that time too, right? Yeah, many, many, many moons ago uh, for the men's race. Well, in women's race, we're going to have Jared Ward and Sheila Reed out there, Whew. which will be cool. That's um, good. Yeah, so you can In you can the watch. same studio. <laughs> <laughs> that's me. <laughs> that's Tyson Day. Um, so that's on FlowTrack. Uh, the pre-show, we'll be doing a pre-show, too, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern. I know I'm plugging a lot of things. No, in the get, it, of the get show. it out there. 
Yeah, so the pre-show and stuff will be on YouTube. So if you just want to see me and you don't care about the race, yeah, you can see that on YouTube or on uh, Flowtrack's Twitter. I think it'll be there too. But I'll be there probably pretty cold, although not as cold as last year, for a good – I mean, our, two, our pre-show is going to be about two hours long. So I'll be up there for a good portion of that as well. And, of course, if anybody's going to the meet, let me know because – I'll be looking to people, you know, looking for people to run with or to to say hello to as well. It's not as busy as Doha. You know, that was crazy. I yeah. still can't believe I actually went there. So this will be this will be a first for me actually getting to call the race. Uh so I'm very excited. But I also think, you know, it's a chance for for you Jason to just deepen your love of the sport cuz at least now you have a connection with one of the commentators. That's true. No, I, I, that that definitely helps. Um, yeah, it helps my interest of, of watching it. It's it's not that I don't like cross country because honestly, I mean, when we were in high school and running it, like I preferred running cross country. I thought it was it's a more fun it's a more fun to compete in. Mm-hmm. Um, the the fall fo- you know the following it every week when uh, most of the teams don't run their real runners throughout the year. Tough, I, 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 tough you know, it's. Yeah. It, it's they they t- they're taking what the uh, NBA is doing to the next level. I mean, that's really what the NBA is trying to emulate NCAA cross country by just resting all of their players all the time and uh, load management. You know, yeah, that's all. That's this is all what it's about. NCAA cross is load management. I mean, that's basically what it is, right? Paving the way. There is, but not, but not at national. I mean, this is where everyone comes out to play. Well, everybody comes out to play and. It's the best cross-country co- uh, race in the world, right, in terms of depth. Um, yeah, everybody's all in at this point. I did notice this year, now with the top people, a lot of times they're cruising, but you look at some of the big names, and they have run quite frequently. Not all programs have that same philosophy. They're not all on the Kawhi Leonard plan. Uh, yeah. That's the last. We'll talk about basketball on this show, by the way, because <laughs> it's a running show. But, yes, it does get attention when you see people just cruise a couple times. I think last year how we did this preview was you just you played the role of guy who's interested in running but hasn't been paying attention to every single NCAA storyline, and I played the role. It's a of, stretch, but I'll try to I'll try to encapsulate that. <laughs> okay, Jason, deliver these lines with authenticity and purpose, and I can be the guy that tries to answer those questions. Should we do something similar? Do you have at least like five? I think it's got to be to make a segment. It's got to be five. I think. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I think I, I could probably work up five. So, like, maybe one is, like, where is the race? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's announcing? Oh, wait, you already answered that. <laughs> Cross that one off the list. What do you have? Um, I guess, I mean, I guess we'll start, because I think, I mean, there's obviously some very big NCAA Cross fans who are going to go, like, hey, I know the basics, but I think there are a lot of running fans like me, especially worldwide, who don't mm-hmm. necessarily follow the U.S. college system. You know, Mm -hmm. because we have a lot of British and all 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 over the place listeners. So, I I guess let's just start the let's start on the men's side. Like, who 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 are the teams who are like are really in contention for the titles? Or someone who's I know some years it's a really big favorite. Other years you got you know three, four, five teams going for it. What do we got? Well, we have NAU going for the four peat, and they haven't lost a meet in that run either. So not only have they not lost NCAA championships, they haven't lost any other. Okay, so. If they win on Saturday, I think that would be 24 varsity meets in a row. I think one in there, they ran a B team, but only one time in, in four years. They come in as the the big favorite. 
they have a lot of depth. They probably have nine people who could fit in their top seven uh, legitimately. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're going to wow. have to narrow that down. And then of that seven, you could see you know, six get in the top 40 and be All-Americans. Remember last year, that's sort of the strategy that they had. The last couple of years, they just flood that front pack. What's interesting about them this year, they could do it with four freshmen depending on who they run. Wow. So if you don't stop them this year, when are you going to stop them is the yeah. is the question. Now, there's probably two teams that could maybe beat them, but that's a stretch. One is Colorado. They've been better than expected heading into the year. They have a good top three, but they didn't have a very good four or five, or so it was assumed at the beginning of the year. That turned out not to be true. They have a really good five. Um, is it a five that can run with NAU? And is it a five that can absorb? Someone's going to have a bad race on your team, right? You just have to assume that, although Colorado women ran perfectly last year. Um, but yeah, just not as deep as not as deep as NAU. And then BYU, um, who has a lot of depth as well. Now, these three teams just met last week at the Mountain Regional. NAU won it, of course, because they have that win streak. In fact... Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, regionals are tough, right? They do a 10K eight days before another 10K. Um, so recovery obviously is prioritized, especially for the better teams. But I mean, BYU looked spectacular there. They, in all the invitationals this year, they've looked good at that mountain race. They went one, two, three. So ahead of Colorado, ahead of BYU, but it was hard to tell, um, exactly how hard everybody was going on the women's side. Yeah. Was that one question about just the men? And then you want to, yeah, this? we're going to, okay. well, right. and then, yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, same, same question about the women, I guess on the men's side too, and you can answer this for the women as well. I mean, is for the top teams are, I, it always is weird to me. Like I get the idea of packing your runners together and, you know, cause you want that like low five to, yeah. to work out. But is that, is that, the strategy basically for all these top teams. Uh, is there anyone else who just has like the one or two outliers and it's just like, Hey, let's all just race as hard as we can, you know, like a regular race would be, or are they uh, most teams adopting like the, Hey, let's, uh, let's all run together for nine and a half K. No, go from there. No, no. It's most of the teams. It's the former, not the okay. latter. This year. Yeah. They're all going to go for, so NAU's team I find that way more interesting. Well, yeah. And NAU, I think they'll pack up, but that's because they're pretty similar abilities. Right. Like it, it naturally happens that way. No one's really running down. Uh, they also have a thing. They don't ever like to have somebody run alone. So if the pace is slow and one of them goes to the front to push it, somebody else will see that and they'll follow. That's just that's just mm. something that they do as a team. That's like strategically. But like you're looking at a situation where, I don't know, the packet, say someone goes out aggressively, right? And or makes a move at some point, and at like the five k mark, it's down to thirty, thirty five people that are you know of the two hundred and fifty five in there. Of those mm-hmm. thirty people, six could still be in a U, right? So it's still like they're running. They're still as a pack, but they're in a very, very elite pack. BYU has like a pure front runner in Connor Mance. I think we talked about him a little bit last year. Um, his coach says he's got a little bit of pre in him. They reined him in a little bit outdoors, and it led to him getting fourth in the 10K, so it was a good a good change. Um, but he's looked really good this year. 
So I think he'll push in the front. And Colorado, I mean, they're going to run. They're all going to run individually. Um, they're they're like they're going to go full out. It's not going to be. I think you're. It was a couple years ago, right? Grant Fisher's junior year when he said he held back to kind of run for yeah, team points. Like that at all. He didn't want to. Yeah, he didn't. The whole idea, like I don't want to risk it and blow up and then and then fall back. But no, I don't think you're going to see anything like that. NAU is just they're just evenly balanced. Like you could see three or four of their runners realistically be the top guy and it wouldn't be mm. wouldn't be shocking um and BYU obviously with Mance I think his directions are going to be like score as few points as possible because <laughs> right. we need that if we're going to um pull this crazy upset which it would be yeah, it would think- be a crazy upset if anybody beat any of you and well, I, yeah, I just I always found the the idea to run as a pack weird because it's like okay I get it you're not losing points on that fifth guy but you might be losing points on your first and second guy. Yeah. Like, you're not gaining those, you know, j- jumping up those couple spots that could actually make a difference. I'm all for running together for the first half of the race or something like that and then kind of going from there. But, you know, I'm a professional cross-country coach, so I totally know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, it's more of a – that strategy is more like early season and also just good teams. Right. Good teams when they're trying to qualify and just get through. It's, okay, everybody just chill. At this meet, I don't think you're going to see that um, – it's also logistically tough to pack that many people. I know the courses are pretty wide, but 200 people trying to get to the same yeah. spot, it's going to be it's going to be difficult. But yeah, it's going to be the difference is going to come I mean, the thing with NAU is they can absorb a couple bad days and still win, and I always think those are obviously the teams that are in the best position. A team that has to have everything go perfectly for all five people. Mm. Mm, usually it's too much to ask for because something goes a little wrong. Yeah, that's fair. So yeah, the women women's side, what do we got for, for the team race? Same so, kind of big front runner or what? No, more balance there. Women's team race. I think there's four in it, although th- people could say three. So Arkansas, BYU, Stanford, and Washington. Arkansas's undefeated this year. They're number one. Uh, if everybody runs their best, if you, if you get the situation that I just described is not possible... Arkansas wins. Hmm. Then again, that's not possible. Arkansas has a couple of things that are interesting about them. Uh, they're going for a calendar sweep, so they won 2019 indoors and 2019 outdoors. The women did. Um, wow. And they've also never won a women's cross-country title, so as good as that program has been. In fact, they've never even been on the podium, which is top four, since 99. So... And they've had some, like last year, there was like six teams that I thought they could win going in. They finished 14th. So they've had trouble in, in the past. Like they're a team. I'm trying to think of a analogy in another sport mm. where they need to like, does, did Phil Mickelson have trouble in big? In For a long time run? until until he finally won the Masters. Yeah, he, he was, you know, finished second a bunch. And yeah, was always was always in the running, but never quite got there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like Gonzebe de Baba, right? Like she, no, just kidding. They're actually gonna Dan start. Marino, um, yeah, know, uh, John Elway, yeah, something. Like I know that. Elway got there at the end, but yeah, he, he won a couple, didn't he? Uh, yeah, back to back to finish the career, but it's just a matter of can they get it done on the day? And I don't know with college athletes. I mean, they haven't been around since 1999 running, right? Yeah. So how much of a psychological kind of irrelevant, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just noteworthy that in the past they've come, and I, even in the last few years, I don't think they finished in the top top ten. So there's that. BYU, uh, they used to be a powerhouse. They haven't won title since uh, 02, and they haven't podium since 03. So this is kind of mm. like a like a throwback 
year in terms of these historical programs running really well. But BYU has been on the upswing the last few years. Uh, Stanford, obviously solid. And then Washington, I think, could get in there because they have a really good um, – like their five, six, seven doesn't drop off too much, which is good in a situation like this. Now, up right. front, they're not as great as the other three teams. But if – like if Arkansas, BYU, or Stanford, their top five – one of them has a bad day, like a really bad, you know, like just, oh my gosh, they got 150th and she could have got 35th. They're in trouble because there's a big drop off to their next best. Washington right. is, is more, is more balanced, but Arkansas, BYU and Stanford have really like comparable top threes. I think Arkansas's, Arkansas's four and five are better than BYU and Stanford, or they, I should say they've been better this year. Um, which is why I give them the slight edge. But I think those four teams, if you put in a simulator, would be the favorites for, for the podium, and Arkansas would be the favorite to win. Okay. I'm doing, how, I, how am I doing? Are you bored You're yet? doing great. I, okay. I feel like, yeah. like I, I, I could tell you've been prepping to be on the broadcast. I know that's... <laughs> I'm going to yeah, say gonna all this stuff again, too, so people are going to be really... <laughs> no, I'm holding some stuff back. I'm holding my... Yeah, a, you gotta you gotta keep some some nuggets for the uh, for the broadcast. I got a two seam fastball I haven't used yet. I'm waiting for. <laughs> do you have? I mean, so on the broadcast, do you are you gonna have like notes in, in the moment, or are you just you know oh. do you have like a table where you're gonna have stuff you're gonna go to stat guy hand you stuff. I don't. I am the stat guy. So I mean, Ryan's gotcha. doing play by play. I'm kind of the the, the second the color the, man, color analyst. Yeah. So uh, I usually have my laptop in there because here's the thing that's crazy about cross country: you prep and prep and prep, and then some random person decides to take the lead for the first half of the race. So then you're right. fi- figuring out, okay, what's this person's deal? What's their, what's, what's their bio? But no, I'll have all this stuff. A lot of it. Yeah. I don't even need, it just gets committed to memory. Um, but, but then, yeah. And you've been following it, you know, throughout the season. So it's, it, it's not like probably, I mean, you, you've, you know, we have always talked about cross country, but I'd say since flow track, you've been had to focus on it that much more. I would imagine this, if you had to do this last year, it would have been even more like just terrifying just in the fact that you were probably not, you just didn't have the knowledge that you do now. Right. Exactly. You don't have it banked in, but then it's, it's a matter of like, Oh yeah, I remember that person. They made the indoor final in the mile, but like, were they, <laughs> right. what place were they? So, but then, <laughs> you know, you just say they're an indoor finalist in the mile. And yeah, you, exactly. You, it's, it's like the first three years of this podcast versus now where we actually have some banked knowledge on the past, particularly me. You, you, you seem to do very well with that stuff. Well, I just, I think the broad strokes are, you know, it's not, you don't need to know every time, every place Arkansas finished the last five years, but what you need to know is they've underperformed in the past years, right? So it's just like the broad, right. st- the broad stroke, the, the themes. That's what people really want in 2019. They don't want specifics. <laughs> they just want to know. No, it's just, it's more digestible. No, I, I just say that sometimes the, the, yeah, the minuscule parts aren't really adding anything. It's like, okay, so the fact that she finished sixth instead of seventh or like... Is that yeah. really relevant to what what you're talking about? Well, and so here's another big one, right? For the women's mm-hmm. side of things, you can have a brand new podium from last year. If Arkansas, Stanford, and Washington are on the podium, that's a brand new four teams from last mm-hmm. year, which is interesting because usually there's some carryover, one of the top four teams. Now, that may not happen, and odds are right. one of those four will have a, a bad day and someone will sneak on. But last year with, uh, with a completely different team, a di- different set of teams led by it was Colorado, New Mexico, Oregon, and Michigan. Um, it's just that's an interesting, interesting turnover there. 
Damn, I can't see. I'm going to repeat that one, too. I just can't <laughs> help it. I just love diving into these stats, Jace. Right? It's just all about the stats. Okay, well, so so we got the team race. What's the individual race look like? Oh, man. What's up with the women? Okay. I'm more interested in the women's individual race. They're both cool. But we have Kalati again, who's mm-hmm. just been taking – well, in, in races she hasn't needed to win by a minute. She's been winning by a minute. I mean, and I don't exaggerate at all here. Uh, at Mountain West, your favorite conference? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tradition uh, of excellence is what they constantly say on their commercials. You have it's been around <laughs> since like 2003. <laughs> you have to either say, uh, or a conference of champions. You know, you got to get that, that phrase. Yeah. There. She didn't need to win by 49 seconds, Jace, but she won by mm. 49 seconds. Mm. Uh, I like that. At, at Mountain No Lake, load management. That's why I respect it. Okay, that was the I looked this up. Of all the conference meets in the entire nation, Division One men's or women's, that was the yeah. largest margin of victory. Was mm-hmm. Wayne Kalati? I like it. And then she went to Mountain Region, and you're thinking, oh, this is eight days before the national championship. Maybe she'll just chill. She won by fifty-seven seconds. So <laughs> there's no chill right now in Wayne Kalati, um, but she's not undefeated. She's not undefeated which is where this tale gets a little bit tricky. Maybe we should have recorded this like a true crime podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Just done some really awkward cliffhangers. Um, She lost, and she lost to Alicia Monson at the Nutty Comb meet, the biggest meet thus far. Mm -hmm. Since, here's another stat coming your way, since Cross last year, so since 2018 Cross, they're four and four against each other between indoor, outdoor, and country. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll see that one. On do you there. think it's hurt the rivalry that they've run to get run against each other so much? I do. You know, it reminds yeah. me of Bolt, Bolt and Blake <laughs> around 2011, 2012, 2013. Yeah. It's just, I want to see it less. No, It'd be so, way more interesting if they've only raced once. I mean, I, then you'd be like, hey, what's going to happen? Who knows? Yeah. 4 4? Like, where's the intrigue in that? So this is, this is the, the race where the tactics are really going to be examined right and this is where anybody will be interested in this thing because Kalati last year was the favorite and then danny jones outkicked her in the Mm -hmm. end right and danny jones 1500 meter national champion um she's really good at sprinting so (laughs) and closing so you kind of knew okay if at 1500ing yeah if she if she sticks around she's gonna be she's gonna be fine um and then she went on to win the, the 5,000. Um, but why did I say, did Jenny Jones win the, she never won 1,500. What did she win? Oh, 3K indoors. 3K. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Similar similar style though. Yeah. She's a 1,500 meter runner. I don't know why. Again, I'm not focused on track. I'm not focused on people who are running. And she was second indoor in the mile in 2018. She was a closer, right? And she hung around. Yes. It was snowy. She hung around and she kicked. Now, the conditions played a part in that, right? Kalati couldn't go out as aggressively because it was in, in the snow, and it was just physically difficult to go out that fast, right? Probably not going to be snow in Terre Haute on Sunday, Saturday. What does she do? How does she approach this race? That's going to be fascinating. And Monson is saying she's better this year. Monson is saying that she's better this year, that she, can, she doesn't need to wait for the last 400, that she can go midway. So I think right. we're getting into like a little bit of – Mo ish territory here where, yeah, the best strategy to beat Monson is to go from the gun. But even if Kalati tries that, 
can Monson just latch on and outkick her anyway? That's going to be fascinating to watch. Um, and I think the individual the individual titles probably going to come from one of those two. But it'll, yeah, it'll be fun just to watch to see how how Kaladi approaches it. Obviously, everything's pointing to her running really aggressively from the front. Yeah, which would be awesome. So she broke. You know, times don't matter in cross country. But uh, my colleague Lincoln pointed this out last week when we were talking about this. Like she broke 19 in a 6K, which like you just don't see many women's 6Ks yeah. that start with 18 at the collegiate level. So it's going to be cool. I hope she goes out hard. Like that's the race uh, I want to see. I think Monson definitely, though, is the favorite to win just because she beat her early this year. And she looks – she just looks so tough. She doesn't look like someone you can run the kick out of. And that's mm. That's Monson. Um, but you know, four and four, right? Yeah. Any any like sleeper on the on the individual side for the women? Like anyone who could just come in and disrupt that too. Yeah. So Arkansas's number one, Taylor Werner. Um, she was third in that Nuttycomb race behind those two. Mm. Remember, she was outdoors. She was second in the five k to Danny Jones, and then mm. indo- indoors she was second in the three k to Jessica Hull. So those are good people to lose to if you're going to lose yeah. to anybody. And she's been she's been coming on really strong. She had a car accident in the middle of her career where she uh, broke a bone in her back. So as a form as a fellow back person, maybe yes, maybe, yes, you're in for for Taylor Warner. Um, she's going to be she's going to be rock solid. I think she'll be she'll be tough, but she would be in there. Uh, her teammate Katie Izzo, who's a transfer, nobody thought even her coach. Didn't think she could be this good, but she's been running like they ha- they almost have like one and one A, and the same thing with BYU, Whitney Orton and Erica Burke. It's like you don't they don't really have a number two runner. They mm. have they have BYU's coach told me this morning. It's like I it's like I have two number one runners, um, and that's going to be the interesting battle right between those top three teams: Arkansas, BYU, and Stanford. They all have three that can be in the top fifteen. So the individual race is going to be mixing jiving really well with the with the team race within those you know the top 10 20 spots but yeah i would say kaladi and monson up top then like arkansas byu stanford e people mixed in there gotcha with, okay and edna kurgat won this meet in 2017 she hasn't been running as well as of late, I mean, she's been losing to Kaladi by 57 seconds, but everybody's been losing to Kaladi by 57 seconds. Yeah, that's true. Is that question three? That I guess that's yeah. Let's call it three. Sure. Oh, you want me to, um, do, the, you want me to do the men for four? Y- yeah, let's do the men. Let's do the men's side, dude. It's no, not as interesting as the as the women's, but I still you know want to know what's going on. I mean, it's tough. This one's more wide open. Edwin Kurgot's number one ranked. He's been uh, he's run. You'd like him because he ran a lot this year. Um, yeah, Hunter Mance also also ran a lot this year for uh, um, for BYU. But Edwin Kurgod, he's won all the big meets. He won Midwest. He was in that five. I can't root for BYU. Year. It's nothing, you know. It's just they they were UNLV's big rival when I was going to school there in basketball, and so it's just I've always had just a little bit of thing where I just can't root for BYU still. All right, you can root for uh, you can work for root for Edwin Kurgat. He's got. I know you yeah. cheer for Furman, right? One hundred percent Furman all the time. Well, yeah, that was going to be my final question. That was going to be the big one. Okay, I'll hold that. Was, I'll hold that. Yeah, give give me give me the rundown on Furman. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll do that in a second. So, yeah, Kurgat four zero this year. Mance pretty solid. If Mance wins, there'll be no American born runner has won since Galen Rupp. 
Mm. And Galen Rupp did it in 1987, I believe, is when <laughs> Galen Rupp won. I'm not sure. Um, Sounds right. I, I got to look that one up. So people will, will be discussing that. Uh, Alabama's got two guys, Vincent Kiprop and Gilbert Keegan, but they don't race that much. So you have no idea what's going on with them. Campbell, Campbell fighting camels, which is a really solid mascot. Uh, they got what? They got two guys up there with um, Eamon Kemboy and uh, this guy Athanas Kiyoko, and then and then NAU. I mean, I, just, I don't see an NAU person winning because again. They're going to be pretty strategic, and I mean they'll go for it. But the field is good enough. I I hope that this is an honest race. There's been some races that have dawdled in the past. Um, I hope this is pretty honest. I think Kurgot will win because I think he can close faster than all these guys. But I also think he can do the whole long drive from a mile out or two k out and grind it down. Say so, so. You hope this is honest. I mean, is I hope all either... I hope both of them are honest. Yeah. Yeah, from either this year or just past NCAA championships. I mean, are they generally honest in cross or? Yeah, yeah, but a couple of years ago, one of Cesarek's years, I think it might have been the year he lost. I don't remember. I think I remember that. Yeah, it went out weird. like it went out like stupid slow, and I was like, "This is ridiculous for a cross country race. This isn't supposed to happen." I don't think the personnel is going to let it happen because you know Connor Mance has said basically like I like to go hard to get in people's heads. Uh, I don't know if like, he said he wanted like to make a pre uh, 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 a pure guts race because if it is, mm. in the end, he's the only one who can win. I don't know if he said that, but there's too many people who race like alpha dogs in the in in the men's race for it's it's just it's disadvantageous for a lot of the favorites for it to go slow. So I don't know, I don't mm. know. But then there's the thing like remember last year the race was like Morgan McDonald was really good. He was a 13, 14, 5k runner. And then you watch that like last 200. There's a lot of guys still in that race. Yeah. But then and then you watch Morgan McDonald indoor. He kills everybody. And then outdoor, he kills everybody. And you're like, oh, he was just like way better than everybody. So he was running tactically, but everybody else was running all out. Like that's kind of what was going on there, which I guess makes sense, right? That's how even races on the track work, like at a certain point. But it's just with cross it's different because you expect things to spread out. You don't expect things to bunch up uh and and get all crowded. So I don't I don't like it from an aesthetic perspective. Like if they want to go out easy the first K, that's fine, but I want to see everybody go full bore. I don't want like you're going to get a close finish regardless cuz you have 255 people in this race and especially in the women's race cuz it's 6 kilometers as opposed to 10. Like you're going to get exciting finishes regardless. I want to see the the, the true and honest race. So, yeah, I hope we don't get like a weird year where people decide to to dawdle around. And I don't in the women's race. It's because all the like I said, BYU, Arkansas, and Stanford all have like really good front ends of their team. Like, yeah, they want to run right. Like they want to get the. They don't want it to come down to like a three k or a two k because they could end up just costing themselves crazy points. This is so deep, Jace. It's like. A person at certain points, there's more than one person coming by a second, right? So if you lose 10 seconds, that could be 12, 15 points yeah, on your team. So you don't want it to come down to that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, I think it's, I, now I think it's time for Furman. What, what, I mean, give me, give me something with the Paladins. What, what do we got this year? All right. So as a Furman diehard, 
Uh, you know, they got they got second in the Southeast Regional, so they got the automatic qualifier. That's solid. That's, and, yeah. So they're ranked, go crazy. they're ranked according to our rankings, uh, which I don't do, but so I'm not biased here. Um, they're ranked 15th, the women. Okay. So they won the Southern Conference. They won their conference championship. They got 10th at the Nuttycomb meet, which was the big midseason meet, and then they got 6th at the Bill Dellinger meet uh, in Oregon earlier in the year. They got – now, speaking of NBA trends, Jason, mm. right, what's the big – what's the what are the big trends in terms of stars accumulating on teams? Because it used to be big threes. What is it now? Seems to be big twos. Well, Furman's got that with Gabriel Jennings and Savannah Carnahan. They got a yep, good, that's what I was going to say. They got a good big two there with Jennings and Carnahan. They went 2-3 at their regional meet. Uh, they are they're solid for them up front. So I think you could get. Um, they also went two three at uh, their conference meet as well too. So the Jennings to Carnahan connection is, is is one to watch. I think that'll lead them uh, may, maybe top ten if things break right for the women. Yeah, they're gonna break right now. <laughs> such a homer. Now, yep, hundred uh, percent. For the men, the men made it. So Good. you should be happy. Yeah, Dynasty. Uh, <laughs> so they're a little more under the radar with the okay. men. The men are a little more under the radar. Um, they got fourth at their region, so they had to qualify via an at-large bid. Yeah, they're just slow playing everybody, getting them, you know, get them cocky until they, so they can take them down. So their lead singer, and I say lead singer. Because his name is Ryan Adams. He's our number one. Oh, I like this. So they got Ryan Adams up front, who was third in the region for them. And he was the conference champion and 11th at Nettycombe. So this, this guy's real deal. And he bought his first real six string. In the, yes. So I don't know which it. summer it was, though. I got He might bring it to Terre Haute. I'm not sure. I hope so. Uh, so he's, he's legit. Like he, He'll be an All-American. He could potentially be... A top twenty-five or something of that nature. Um, after that, yeah, it's a little, it's a little tougher. It might be a little, a little bit of an uphill slog for the men of of Furman. But you got Adams out there. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah, you got to make the dance. You know, they're they're there. That's the important thing. Yeah, your name is F U X C. That's pretty cool. That's good. You're, win- you're winning a lot just with that. So there it was. Jason's I like half question. hour on cross country, guys. I, if that doesn't make you happy, I don't know. I don't know what will. Julian turned off the podcast a while ago. <laughs> uh, let's touch on a couple things before we go to email. We got some good yeah. emails this week. Uh, there's a 15k world record. Oh, all right. Which I th- by Letsonet Gaday. She ran. Good day to you. 44:20, which. Back of the napkin math, that's sub-15 for three 5Ks in a row. Yeah. Uh, in fact, she went through 10K at 29.44. Whew. Seems good. That seems quite good. Now, let's consider the following. The world record is 29.17. 29.44 would be the fifth fastest time uh, in history. Um. So twenty nine twelve. Oh, sorry. And then oh, excuse me. Twenty nine twelve for the last ten k. Buried the lead there, folks. 
barely mm. So that's five seconds faster than the world record for the last 10K. Now, it was downhill on that yes. part. So take that with a grain of salt. I'm sure she was wearing super-duper super shoes that catapulted her to the finish line as well. But G'day, legit runner. We saw her win silver in the 10,000. Yeah. Against, I think this means Safan Hassan could run like a 42, perhaps, <laughs> for a 15K. Seems about right. Yeah, I mean, it's... So she broke the record by over a minute um, that Jipkoski had in route to a half marathon. Yeah, so, it's not a real record. So you break an in route record. So guess what? You should be faster if you're actually stopping at the end of the distance that you're setting the record at yeah. than if someone set it in route to another thing. Um, Does that mean it, that the women's 10K track record should be faster because G'day ran <laughs> the last 10K faster than Almazayan? No, that, and the downhill stuff. Yeah, the downhill definitely matters. Um, Just a little bit. But yeah, it is one of those things. And 15K just doesn't get raced very often, obviously, like especially by itself. Um, and this is a yeah silver medalist at the at the 10K. So it's it's one of those things you go, hey, this is a. I mean, she broke the record. It's a world world record, world best, whatever you want to call it. Um, so I give her give her credit. But it's also not one of those things that I think we can be blown away by. Like I'm like, yeah, you this that record probably should be broken by a really 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 fast runner who's running a race that's actually that distance do you want to play the song the fake world record the angry song yes yes they absolutely she absolutely deserves that did you see a person do a thing that no one's ever done higher faster father more points ever than earth I didn't think we'd hear the song anymore this year. I thought that would be it. Yeah. That's, you never know with this stuff. It's always, <laughs> anytime, it, it basically, I mean, what we've proven over the years is if, if you think records aren't going to happen, they're very likely to happen. I mean, that's, goes back to your no world records in the year pick. Uh, yeah. Back where there was one in what, January or February? Not good. It was not good. Um, we got some more Salazar news. Do you want to talk about this? Yeah, I mean, well, I, no, because it's really sad. But yes, we yeah, we'll definitely talk about it. Um, more people are talking. Yes, which is which is good. Yeah, uh, that it's you know more and more coming out. Just in case there was anyone left who like didn't believe it. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping everybody did. But just in case, it's like, hey, how about? five more people are going to keep saying stuff and it's um it makes you sad because you don't want these things to happen to anybody um Mm. but they they obviously did um it's yeah it's just a lot of it's just really tough tough to read because it's you just go like hey man this isn't um you know both from obviously the female runners have been the 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 big focus of a lot of male runners saying yeah hey i saw this happen like i didn't you know, and a lot of people saying, I wish I would have said something, but it's, and I can understand how difficult of a situation that is to mm-hmm. just be in. And that's like, that's a coach and you're not sure what you're supposed to do. And it sucks. I mean, that's, that's just the bottom line. So, um, and also Salazar released a garbage apology that, um, makes he me. He did the, just, if I, he did the whole, if yeah, I, yeah. Right? If any athlete was hurt by my comments that I have made, Hey, yeah, 
Lots of all athletes were hurt. A lot of people came out. You don't have to make that. Say, I'm sorry. This was wrong. Like, own it. Like, this just makes me go, I don't trust. Like, screw you. Like, really? I mean, you're already was in that range. But just when you come up with that just crap written apology that clearly means nothing, I, 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 I'm just over this guy completely. Well, they're trying, he's trying to keep some deniability. That's yeah. probably why you phrase it that way. Oh, the for quote sure. That got, exactly what makes me believe it even less. Well, right, because the if I, you say, I don't know when you, when you use that. It's not in this moment, right? Not I, I think you again, only do the if I is if you immediately make a dumb comment, like in an in interview, and then like before anyone even like hears it or reacts to it, you go, oh, crap, like that happened. Hey, if anyone's offended by this, I'm really sorry. I didn't know what I was doing. But after a bunch of people come out saying how bad it, the thing was, you can't say if I, because you did. The New York Times did a story with Amy, Amy Yoder Begley, yeah. who was on the Oregon Project pretty early on in terms of yeah. the, the, the lifespan of the group. And the quote that got a lot of attention reads like this, uh, at one workout in March 2008, when Yoder Bagley said she was mourning the recent death of her dog, Salazar told her she was bringing down the rest of the team. The next month, Yoder Bagley said Salazar told her that her laugh was annoying him and other runners. Then, she said, he asked her to sign a contract stating that she would not befriend, any, befriend other athletes on the team. Other Oregon Project athletes were not asked to sign the contract, as she was led to believe they would. This just... This is <laughs> insane. It's just weird. <laughs> I don't... Is he later said that she is rubber and he is glue, and everything that she will say henceforth bounces off her and sticks to you. I, it's I, it <sighs> seems like you read this stuff, and we talked about before how it's like focusing so much on the 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 body images just turned out to be lazy coaching, like the Lauren Fleshman tweet. And yeah, you wonder. I mean, obviously the results speak for themselves in terms of like the gold medals produced, right? Right. But it's like how do you like how do you create any sort of culture that's positive if that stuff's going on? And I get the whole oh it's cutthroat and it's not about your feelings and all that stuff, but there's a difference between being businesslike and, and being just, a person. <laughs> and what is making like how does this help anybody run faster? I don't know. Yeah, like you can't be friends with your teammates cuz why would you want like a good support structure that cares about you right and your dog died you're bringing down the team like like that's all like it makes me think of like a michael scott when it's like his birthday and something else happens to somebody else and so he gets all jealous and like mad about it like it's like dude like what are you doing like it's just i mean honestly these are it's like the actings of a sociopath like really is I, i just and it's like, hey, yeah, there's there's all this stuff over and over, and you just go like, yeah, like it's obviously this is this is true. This this all happened, and yeah. people keep so many people are saying so many things. Like it's gotten to the point where you whatever you tell me, basically at this point about Salazar, like it probably happened, which is it, it just man, yeah, nuts. I mean, we knew he was like kind of kind of nuts and obsessive and weird like that, but like this just is so much worse, obviously, than anybody could have hoped keeps trickling out i'm curious what's going to happen to that again that new the new group or what's left of the old old group because mary kane was pushing a lot on pete julian too and saying 
you know, this is a person who was around and didn't do anything, and now he's in charge of this this new group. So she's. I don't think she's just gonna be, just pin it all on Salazar. She's talking about the entire organization, the entire group um, at this point. So, all right, moving on. Let's go to email, Jace. Yes. House of Please. Run at makes me happy. Gmail dot com. Let's start first. Oh, we got some voicemails too, which I'm guessing are going to be silly, but I'm not sure. Um, oh, here's one from Ryan from Wisconsin. I have a Usain Bolt related question that came up on a group run this week. How much time has Usain Bolt spent racing over his career, including prelims and heats? Our guests range from ten minutes to one hour. I looked mm. up 2017 quick, and he raced six 100s and a 150 for 75.3 seconds of racing. If you add in the 4x1 prelim, 9.5, and the 4x1 final DNF, 5 seconds, it brings him up to 90 seconds for 2017. Any listeners motivated enough to get the answer? That's Ryan from Wisconsin. That's a great question. I, I think it's definitely, well, man, I mean, if you go back to, like, his early, early days. Yeah. Like, presumably, he raced way more then and probably had a few 400s here and there, which definitely ups the total up quite a bit. I mean, I would say, like, in the last 10 years of his career. It's like three minutes a year. Tops, yeah, right? I, I want to say, like, yeah, 20, like in the 20-ish minutes range. Yeah. Um, but those first few years, I think, are going to skew it much, much higher. Yeah. But that's a good if, question. I, I like you, that a lot. Now, if you count his warm-ups... It's like 45 days because sprinter warm-ups take forever. <laughs> I was going to say, I was just add 10 minutes total to his career if you count warm-ups for him. Uh, uh, oh, for Bolt, yeah, Bolt doesn't yeah, warm up? I, just, I just feel like he barely warmed up, too. I just yeah. feel like he just rolled out of bed and dominated. No, I think he was on the, the – you count the physio table? I feel like the guy mm. like lived on the physio table. He would just That's true. be on there all the time. Alex, former mediocre sprinter, wants to know – Yeah. Wh- who's leading in sales, the state shirt or the state's shirt? Oh, I don't have access to that data, but that's a good question. Yeah. Is there any way we can look that up? I honestly don't know. We can't. I think we, we have... make about two cents off each shirt, right? So I think we made zero off each Is it shirt. zero? I was yeah. hope. That was the goal. Was yeah. I, I know we made it like as low as possible. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. If you've, if you've ordered either shirt, send us in. I know we've seen some state shirts. I, I don't I think don't, I've seen I, a... I don't know if I've seen a states. Yeah, I don't think I've seen a states because it's not right, so people don't want to walk around <laughs> being wrong all the time. If you've bought a state shirt, I don't know, maybe you just don't like the shirt either, but I'm going to blame it on the fact that you know that your position is incorrect. So Yeah, that's, that's a good, good... Oh, man. I'm, now I'm really curious, though, if anybody's bought one. If you have, I, I will not make fun of you. Kevin probably will, but I will... I'll say, hey, hey good for you for, for repping your, your opinion. I'll be happy. I'll be happy that you bought one because the more shirts, the better. Uh, Jack writes in, I think you missed the likely outcome of the women's Olympic trials. Shalane Flanagan enters the race in order to pace Amy Craig through mile 23, then dashes ahead to the finish to take on TV commentating duties and inadvertently wins the race and makes the team. <laughs> Des Linden, who is thinking of dropping out instead, helps out Shalane by pacing her to commentating duties and takes the second spot. I don't know how we missed it. Seems seems pretty obvious. I mean, if Flanagan wanted to run this race, I, I I don't know if I'd pick against her. Right in front of our eyes the entire time. Uh, here's one from Midwest. As a former yeah. IHSA athlete, nothing makes me happier than Jason's rant about their maladministration. 
But if you really want to rant, let's talk about the government. And he has a quote here. Only in Illinois, criminally charged Luis Arroyo wants say in who succeeds him in house. Keep calm and stayed on. That is Midwest. Yeah, I read that article. That was... I did not see that one, but... Quite uh, bizarre. A guy lost his job because he was getting arrested for a crime and then wanted to, like, pick who <laughs> filled in for him. Uh, ain't how it works, man. Kind of lost that chance, yeah. Yeah, that's... you had it. You had it. It was there. And then you lost it. Um, all right, let's go to... Still not as bad as that person who did the... Uh... Oh, appeal the judge. Yeah, appeal, appeal yeah. the judge. Yeah, that, that person's still my my scumbag. Yeah. Well, uh, Salazar, but yeah. Well, clown of the year, right? Let me call clown, clown of the year. Yeah, clown that's good. Yeah. I like that. Uh, let's go to. Let's go to. Oh, this is a good one. This is from Chris, formerly from the Isle of Man, and now in London. Yeah, drink. Hi, guys. First time emailing since meeting Kevin as part of a House of Run t-shirt trio in Doha. Still don't get the state versus states thing, but always beat Orkney. (laughs) However, I'm emailing with a heavy heart. This is because I'm carrying a massive feeling of guilt. Namely, I might be the sole respondent to the IAAF, as then was, survey on preferred Diamond League events. Picture the scene. Having been in a cold and pretty dilapidated King Baudouin Stadium in Brussels for several hours of the Diamond League final and sat through a surprisingly non-entertaining Smurf mascot race, a car parade of Olivia Borley, some Belgian sailors, and some even more obscure Belgians, and amongst the crowd that, whilst potentially knowledgeable, thought athletics should be watched with the same emotion as going to a library. (laughs) I, alongside the mate I coerced to attending with me, were asked to complete a survey. We were asked, what was your favorite event tonight? And having watched Dina beat Shelley and Fraser Price and getting a touch excited, much to the chagrin of the aforementioned Belgians, I responded with 100. My friend, having sat in line with a long jump takeoff and watching Miambo clear seven meters, went with a long jump. All okay so far. However, we then, spurred on by several Jupiler, Jupiler, which are Belgian beer for the uninitiated, Oh, okay. proceeded to badmouth Omar Craddock, both for wearing sunglasses in pitch dark and walking into the middle of the pack of a women's track event. I fear in this 20-second conversation, we'd condemn the triple jump, the event that is probably second most likely to have a world record to discretionary appearances at Paris and Eugene. (laughs) Contrast this with the scene a couple weeks later where I spent over nine hours on a Thursday in the stadium in Doha, including five hours without anything happening on the track, whilst mm. we were sorcefully entertained ourselves with naming the top 30, 60 meter indoor female sprinters of all time. <laughs> I do reflect and wonder if that time might not have been better spent adding 30 minutes to each of the Diamond Leagues of 2020. <laughs> in other news, I ran the Valencia Half Marathon with Safan. If vapor flies are worth 4%, then I was still a long way behind her in adjusted time. <laughs> Albeit at least we could empathize with each other as neither of us had a coach present. I might be the first runner to benefit from joining NOP and being told to lose weight too soon. Yes, too soon. Please yeah. keep up the good work. That is Chris, formerly from the Isle of Man and now in London. Uh, you know what's interesting? When I met Chris and the fellow listeners who had shirts on, yeah. I believe, and he can write in and tell me if I'm wrong, but we were like mid-conversation and someone from IAAF came up to us and asked to take a survey. So really, wow! He's like the most surveyed person in Earth Sports. <laughs> I didn't take it. I didn't take it. But I think he might have been one of the ones who decided to take it. And I was very entertained. I wanted to hear his responses because at that point, 
uh, I knew he was not short on opinions, but this is a good this is a good recap. Yeah, I wonder if like one person was just super pumped about the high jump this year. Right. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, I don't I don't blame Chris here. Um, you know, you said your opinions, and and hey, what's the best event at the rant at the one Diamond League you happen to be at? Uh, as we've we've said before, you know, any given Diamond League. Any race could be the best race, depending on who they uh, pay to show up and what kind of races run. Like, it has nothing to do right. with the event itself, really. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't blame you. Um, I, I would say maybe we could cut out some of the parades um, and the Smurf mascot races and maybe No, no, keep, keep that. Events. Keep that for sure. Just, they can make it work. But he's right. The, the Doha timetable made no sense when there was four hours of nothing. Oh, yeah. The no, there was absolutely nothing there. Yeah. I mean, imagine it's one thing when you're watching on TV and you can walk away and come back. Imagine you bought tickets and you traveled to be there. Yeah. And, and you want to, you know, hey, if I was there, I probably wouldn't sit in there the whole time, too. I mean, I'm assuming you buy track stuff. You buy seats to a track meet because you want to see the track meet, right? Presumably, yes. I mean, that's you don't want to just sit in an empty stadium with nothing going on, right? I, I mean, that would be my guess. <laughs> it's just bizarre. All right, we've now reached the anonymous portion of the the email reading. Oh, okay. Hello, gentlemen. Quick story regarding well, two separate anonymous emails. Wow. Uh, quick story regarding body weight in NCAA running, as discussed in last week's pod, when I competed at a small. D1 school about a decade ago. The head of our men's and women's program was a former female Olympic medalist. Uh, I learned very quickly that great athletes do not make great coaches. Our coach had a perception of what female track athletes should look like and how much they should weigh. I routinely had conversations with teammates about how she would demand that our female athletes lose 15 to 20 pounds. One infamous incident occurred where the head coach and an assistant coach were emailing back and forth about one highly touted female sprinter who had packed on a few too many pounds freshman year, including included in the text was a sentence saying that she needed to cut back on the hamburgers at the student dining hall or something to that extent. Now this is an unfortunate story, but you may ask yourself, how did someone on the team learn about this? Well, the assistant coach forwarded this, the entire email chain to the entire track and field and cross country team. Oh, uh, then he sent out a reply, all marked urgent, asking all members of the team to ignore, not read the previous email. I don't think that worked. Would that, in the history of please don't read that last email or text or something, I mean, like, who's not, my curiosity is way too strong to ever not read the previous thing, I think. Yeah, that's probably the most effective way to get them to To get read me it. to read it. <laughs> yeah. Uh even though I was never pressured to lose weight, the overall environment was toxic enough that I 100% believe I needed to drop pounds to run faster. Unfortunately, this did not work out as I ran slower and slower as my body weight declined. I was running times that would have been decent for a women's team, though. Even 10 years later, I'm still plagued by body weight issues. The head coach left the program, uh, but still coaches NCAA athletes. What we need are coaches that are, one, great human beings that care about their athletes and not just winning. Two, have backgrounds in sports science, kinesiology, nutrition, health uh extra or if they don't have those backgrounds recognized they do not know everything and send their athletes to the experts yeah no i i mean this is 
this is a really interesting email. Thank you, whoever sent this, because I'm not going to say that. And uh, but it is interesting. It's yeah. I mean, I, former athletes can sometimes be great coaches and sometimes be really, really awful because they're obviously blessed with these insane skills. If you're like an Olympic level athlete, and sometimes people like that don't understand why other people can't just be that good. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing is just can you, if people can just understand like, hey, not everyone's going to look exactly the same or, you know, it's, it's not a cut and paste thing for every single athlete. Like maybe treat people as separate people and figure out what works best for them. Yeah. Like weight can matter, but if it ever does, there's ways to go about that healthily and in a good, respectful, smart way too. Mm-hmm. So we got another one here, also anonymous, different anonymous. Uh, Epstein didn't kill himself. That's all they said. So oh. there you go. All right. <laughs> and See now those memes around social media. Yeah, we haven't gotten an OK Boomer meme yet. Though. That's true. We're not quite old enough for that yet. Uh, wait a minute. What is this? Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, now we have. Chris, the emailer formerly from Mattoon, Illinois, home of the Green Wave, currently from Chicago. Drink. Gents, I wanted to offer a heartfelt and sincere thank you to highlighting Mary Kane's experience at the Nike Jordan Project and loudly denouncing what she experienced there. I think that one thing that is easy to overlook in all of this is how, is how important what Miss Kane is doing for the overall good of our sport and its future. I'm a parent like you guys. Oops, Jason, do you have something you want to say? Do you have something <laughs> no, you want to tell sorry. us, Jason? Okay. I didn't know if... I don't know if Chris knew something. Okay, he does. I'm an uncle to to eight. Oh, there so, you go. You know, not not definitely not parent level, but you know, I got uh, I got some fun uncle skills. Uh, there you go. The avuncular Jason Halpin. Uh, and I'm sure you see the extent to which parents are concerned about long term health issues for their children in deciding what sports they'll participate in. The concussion concussion crisis in football is an obvious example, but there are certainly parents who are concerned about unhealthy weight and body image issues associated with gymnastics, figure skating, dance, and wrestling. No parent would want their child to go through what Miss Kane went through at NOP and the longstanding problem in running with unhealthy approaches to weight, particularly but not exclusively for female athletes, is something that has to be eradicated. Doing so will help parents feel secure that if their children do take an interest in distance running, it will be something that can set them on the path to a lifetime of physical and mental benefits as well as tremendous enjoyment. Earth Sports is certainly doing everything they can to demolish our sport at the top level. Hashtag save the steeple. But the sport faces a risk of declining participation of parents do not feel there's healthy culture around it. Mary Kane speaking out to improve the sport she so clearly loves is so much bigger than just herself. She's sparking important and long overdue conversations that hopefully will lead to positive change in the long term with how coaches and athletes approach fueling health and weight. So many thanks to Miss Kane for standing up for what is right for her and for our sport. And thanks to you guys for the impassioned and spot on denunciation of the mistreatment she experienced. That was all Jason along the same lines. Many thanks to the others who have been speaking up about healthy fueling and body image weight issues in the sport, including Ali Kiefer, Steph Bruce, Steph Bruce for their spokenness in the media around these issues and Shalane Flanagan, whose cookbooks promote excellent, healthy and sustainable relationships to food for endurance athletes on a lighter related note. Here's a picture of me rocking the official house of run t-shirt with Ali Kiefer and Des Linden in a meet and greet hosted by a racing team nice. fleet feet, Chicago. I don't know how this stacks up to Matthew McConaughey, maybe seeing a state versus state <laughs> shirt, 
But keep up the good work. That's Chris, the emailer formerly from Mattoon, Illinois, home of the Green Wave, currently from Chicago. And there's the picture. That's awesome. There it is. I Two love it. Yeah, the shirt in there with this. I mean, this is that's good stuff. Good that's work here. Cool. Good work. Uh, I yeah, no confirmation s- still on whether or not Matthew McConaughey saw the shirt. Hmm. I can't really say it either way. Um. What if he's just wearing one the next time he's at like a UT football game? I would be very happy. I should have brought one and just thrown. Hey, can you wear this hey. at some point? How much? How many times do you think he's like asked to just like do somebody like one favor? <laughs> right. It's. I mean, I, I imagine like the hey, record the voicemail thing. Like that's yeah. a big thing, right? Yeah. Um, but no one problem with him. He doesn't voicemail. wear a shirt a lot of the time to begin with, so it's probably that'd probably be a tough ask to get McConaughey to wear a shirt. If people don't listen to your voicemail anymore, though, what's the next thing? What's the new mm, thing? That's a, yeah, that's a good point. I guess that's, I guess that's more of like a five to ten year old type of thing because people don't call people really much anymore. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good. I mean, outside of just the picture with people, yeah. I don't know what else it would be. You just order them on Cameo, and then you can say whatever you want for the seventy five Yeah, that's true. Whatever. Be like, hey, can you call the house run voicemail really quick and leave something? Yeah. That's what you need to get celebrities to do. If you that's what we're going to do. Have them call our voicemail line. There's a lot of like people you can get on Cameo for 10 bucks, and they'll just say stuff. So Yeah, in my fantasy basketball league, um, our, our, commi- our, our, well, our commissioner got uh, got somebody to – I'm trying to remember who it was now, and I'm, I'm totally – it's an NBA player. Um or former NBA player, I should say, uh, to do like a league preview type thing, and it was oh. really, uh, it was really cool. It was, a, it was a fun, fun idea. I think he said it was only like twenty five bucks, and something like that. I, I actually, I think that is actually very cool. Um, like who was I've, the? You don't remember the player? <laughs> I, I, I'm blanking right now. I know you'd know him too. I'm trying to pull up the uh, thing here. Um, Ryan Hollins. Oh, he's on ESPN or something. Now, yeah. Right? So like he's, but yeah. So he did a. Uh, yeah, he just did a little preview video. It was it was very cool. For like a minute, a minute long, he just was yeah, like, it was like just over a minute, um, and just kind of running down some of the league names and like you know what's what was happening. And I was like, hey, that's that is pretty cool to do. If you if you ever go on Cameo, it's really interesting to look, and mm-hmm. then you'll see a lot. You'll be like, oh, that guy's only twenty bucks. That's really cool. And then you'll see some like famous per- people you've never heard of who want $300 for yeah. a minute video and you just go, wow. Okay. I don't, I don't know what's going on. So you're, you think it's cool. I get, I got kind of depressed when I looked at it. Really? Uh, well, you could tell there are certain ones that, yeah, like I think some people are just like, Hey, this could be fun. Like, I don't know. I feel like if I was famous enough to do something like that, I think it would just be kind of fun to do like for like random groups of friends as like inside jokes or something like that. And be like, yeah, yeah. That's kind of cool. Other ones probably really need the money, um, but you know. No, I think you're right. If it's the person's like, "Hey, people love me." Like, I played David Wallace in The Office, right? And people know that show, and I'm gonna make people happy, and I'll make a few bucks off of it. But I'm mostly here just because I think it's cool and it's fun. Like that. If I look at it from that perspective, I'm like, "Oh, this is awesome." But yeah, looking at it from like, man, these people like need money and obviously i don't know like for fantasy basketball i get it like that's like the perfect thing for it but it's right like for there's some situations where i'm like when are you gonna like whose day is brightened by like well i got this mike david wallace uh <laughs> did i call him michael wallace before or did i say david uh wallace? 
I don't know. I feel like you said David Wallace, but okay. I could be totally wrong. I got, you know, the old CBS anchor in there and then also the Steelers receiver, right? Mike Wallace for a while. Anyway, who's, yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm like, uh, like, are people like super pumped to. I feel like if it was the right inside joke, like if. Yeah, you know. that's what it's perfect for. It's perfect for inside jokes. But if like someone's like obsessed with whatever celebrity, oh my gosh. And then they're saying something to me, it like creates this like connection that isn't there and it's solely just a financial transaction. Right. Yeah. I'm going to send you this Enos Cantor one and it's just going to be awkward. <laughs> is it, is it good? No, I don't know. I just see he's on here for 50 bucks and I'm like, all right, Enos Cantor. He's yeah, been on my yeah. fantasy team a couple times. I mean, I would do this to like you, like I would try to find <laughs> some ridiculous random actor that we both. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Like if, yeah, absolutely. Like th- there's definitely some bet- between, you know, our friendship over the past 20 years that we could find that would be absolutely hilarious and it would be 100% worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that's how people are using it. Anyway. All right. Enough of that. Let's go to uh, Marshall, formerly from St. Louis. No, sorry. From St. Louis, formerly of Iowa. Mm, drink. Mix that one up. Uh, given World Athletics' idiot decision to remove the 200 from the Diamond League, Noel Lyles can set himself up for four gold medals by learning a new event. The pole vault. In Randall Monroe, former NASA engineer and current comic, latest book, he discusses the physics of the pole vault, specifically the key to vaulting isn't the springiness of the pole, it's the athlete's running speed. The pole is just an efficient way to redirect the speed upward. Hmm. Okay. Additionally, he provides a simple physics equation to estimate how high one can jump. Height equals blah, blah. There's a lot of math here. Assuming could... Uh, Speed Lyle's squared t- uh, divided by two times the acceleration of gravity. There you go. Okay. Okay, math guy. Assuming Lyle could I'm run just, at least yeah. 10 meters a second with a pole gives us the following. 10 meters a second to the second times squared. a quantity... Oh, is that squared? Well, that's yeah, I believe thing. so, right? To the second power? Is yeah, yeah. But I mean the little... Yeah. There's no... It's not in superscript or whatever the... Font, yeah, I think small... if you don't have that, you use the little carrot to, to signify that, I believe. Okay. Do you want to run these emails or just me? What's going to... Times the quantity two times 9.805 meters a second squared equals 5.1 meters. Okay. Uh, since the pole vaulters running before they jump, their center of gravity starts off above the ground already, adding to the final height. Lyles is 5'11", or 1.8 meters, and most individuals have a center of gravity about their abdomen, or approximately 55% of their height. Lyles has a center of gravity of 0.99 meters. This puts us at 6.1 meters. Yes. <laughs> Noah Lyles, Mondo, and Sam Kendrick's pole vault final would be awesome. That would Given be Lyles- awesome. Given Lyles' background in gymnastics and a PR on the high jump of 2.03 meters from high school, this is a no-brainer. Noah Lyles, pole vault, make it happen. P.S. If Usain Bolt did the pole vault, given his higher center of gravity, we could have seen a jump of 6.2 meters, which would have been another world record for Mr. Bolt. Hmm. All the best. Marshall, formerly of Iowa, now from St. Louis. I like this. I I mean, I knew speed was obviously important because you just need speed to get the... Uh, thrust or whatever to get up there but i'm yeah i mean yeah, nothing would make me happier than seeing Noel Lyles just thrown into the pole vault here uh it would be terrific i like that quote about what does he say 
it's just uh, the pole is just a way to convert the speed. Right. I like. Yeah, it. I mean that's yeah. Like what? What do you think? Redirect the speed. Redirecting the speed. Redirect up. the speed. Like what do you think Mondo could run in the hundred? Uh, he's fast. They I had mean, talk- I, He's got to be pretty fast. Yeah. He ran. So I'm gonna try to find his. In high school, he ran a hundred, and it was fast. Uh, what was the time? And they talked. Uh, we asked his coach last year preseason, would you ever put him in a four by one? And he said they were thinking about it. Now, I mean, it's tough to get on LSU's four by one. Right. He ran. He ran ten fifty seven in the hundred. Okay. Like ten fifty seven, he would have easily been the fat. Like in our high school, would have destroyed everybody in the hundred. Oh yeah. And he's a pole vaulter. I mean, that's crazy. Um, yeah, and that's an event he wasn't really focusing on at all. So yeah, I mean, if you probably be much faster at that, if you're good at one event, you're going to be good at a lot of other events. Yeah, just, that's just yeah, the reality, exactly. right? Like, I mean, even the throwers, they could run pretty quick hundreds relative to the general population, right? Like, there's a story about like the like the throwers versus the distance runners in the hundred. The throwers are going to win most times because. They just have that explosion, that fast twitch. Um, unless it's Sifun Hassan, and then she'd win. Yeah, of but, course. That's... Yeah. I mean, they, if you're a world-class athlete, you can't help but be good in other things that aren't your event. That's just, that's just how it's going to happen, right? Yeah. I mean, you're, just, you're already way, yeah, just faster and just all of those things than everybody, than 99% <laughs> of the population. Yeah. Whatever you have, it's more than other people have. Right. And even though it doesn't make you elite in that event, it makes you still very, very good. All right. We got one more, and then we have two voicemails from from Chief. This is Brian, the emailer, formerly from Raleigh, but now from Pennsylvania. Drink. Jason, Jason, Jason. Uh Uh-oh. About to get a talking to. Two weeks ago, a listener wrote and asked me about NCAA cross-country. Jason's response was something along the lines of, that's the part where Kevin talks and I say nothing. After the 200, you should know not to tempt the running gods like that. As I'm sure you'll discuss, the Northeast Regional Meet was moved to the roads. What Mm. shoes were the winning teams wearing? You guessed it. The good old next percents. Both winners were a surprise. Teams and athletes will be left at home because they didn't have access to the shoes, either due to cost or school sponsorship. Creates an unfair advantage to those schools that could get the shoes. It's cross country, not road racing, as a great Bill Bowerman once said. There's no such thing as bad weather, just soft people. I get it. That athlete's safety has to be considered, but at the same time, switching it to a road race is just a different sport. Certain athletes have mechanics that are better suited for roads and cross-country. I've run some pretty gnarly cross-country courses. 2013 NCAA XC comes to mind. They moved the start line of the race because the course was so torn up. Perhaps I'm being a bit harsh, but one of the reasons that I love cross-country is the purity of it. Times and shoes and all the nonsense doesn't matter. It's about toughness and grit. Step on the line, shoot the gun, and get to the finish first. But somehow, the cheat shoes controversy found a way to invade NCAA cross country. I don't care as much about the shoes. I'm just sick of it being the topic of nearly every race and performance. That is Brian. Well, we went 70 minutes without talking about it, Brian. That's true. And uh, yeah, I. I mean, I agree. I, I think you know we uh, most cross country courses here in Vegas that we ran involved a decent amount of roads because that's what we have out here. Um, but in general, I, I, I mean, yeah, I, I think you want to keep it, you know, as cross country. Like, it, it is a completely different skill, and uh, yeah, not, not completely different, but it is a different skill slightly. You know, that that can affect people in different ways. So that's, I think, that's a bummer more than more than the shoes. Problem is, is this is a qualifying race, the regional race, right? 
So they have to the teams that qualify have to go run again in eight days. And if you do it on this, you know, snowy courses yeah. and really and th- the last two years they ran it in really bad conditions. So I'm guessing if they did it didn't do it this year, it was because it got so bad, um, with with the footing and everything. But they have to think about okay, so you qualify, we've run this race, but now these top teams have to go run again in eight days. It's just not you're not on even footing. Mm. with the rest of the country. Well, now, done. as soon as that happened, I knew we were going to get some some uh some shoe takes. I he- I heard from well, we saw, I think people saw on social media too, like teams were scrambling then when they knew it was a road course to get their hands on next percents. Mm. And and vapor flies cuz they knew that's how you get there. Um I mean, some of the teams came out. Yeah, the, the 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 winners were surprises, and like I think Cornell women were like way down at ha- in their conference meet, and then they ended up qualifying. But I mean, that's not all of it, right? Like surprises, surprises happen in in races just in general. I don't think you can attribute it to entirely to that. And there were some teams that um had the shoes that that didn't run well, right? Yeah, and I, I mean. You know, you know what I think about the shoes, but I, I think there could absolutely be just a even a psychological. Some people believe that'll make you faster. You can run faster. Like that stuff is real. I think. Um, so I think that could be more than just like how much it actually affected their race. Imagine you're traveling to the meet and then you find out it's on the road, and then you're like, "Man, I need to do different shoes." Right? We've all been there. I think some teams should wear them on Saturday. Yeah, right? Just bounce right through Terre Haute. <laughs> boing, boing, boing. Uh, all right. It's voicemail time for Chief. Um, we got one here from the 13th and then one from the 14th. He went back-to-back days. Wow. All right. Well, I'll go with the, uh, with the first one. What up, boys? Chief from Illinois. I uh, wondered if you saw this new Diamond League poll uh, or done by War- World Athletics. They, they since they're so good at um, getting polls, what they did was they got a poll of the most popular running shoes to, to race a marathon in. And number one was, of course, the Vaporfly, the 4%, Next% percent Alpha Fly, whatever you want to call it, the Vaporfly. Uh, the second was the Reebok pumps and the third was the Skechers shape up. Um, not, not my doing. I wouldn't have ranked them, but this was a poll conducted by the IAAF and we all know they're really good at conducting polls since the long jump and the high jump were the second and third most popular events in the diamond league with that peace boys. (laughs) Reebok pumps should be pretty high up. I mean, the pumps are very, very cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, definitely what I want to run a marathon in is because, you know, you're feeling a little sluggish partway through you, hit the, you pump it a couple times, then you're, you're ready to keep going. Um, yeah, that's in the sketch shape ups. Never underestimate Meb. <laughs> All right, let's get to, uh, chief's second voicemail. What a boys chief from Illinois, uh, here with a. Hot shoe take, Jason. Nike is coming out with a shoe that claims they can reduce injuries. So maybe that'll help you out. Um, 
in training for your next marathon and get you ready for the vapor flies. I know Nike's been got, getting a lot of bad press lately, most of it earned um, and related to Salazar. But I did want to bring light uh, that in the wake of the Chicago Public Schools and the, the state board, um, IHSA, jerking them around, Nike did step up and throw a huge, huge, huge race for them, and they called it the Chicago State Meet. They invited all of the CPS schools, Chicago Public Schools, uh, regardless of whether they qualified for state or not. They just invited everyone, including junior high athletes. So initially there were 300 invites, and they ended up getting over 2,000 kids to participate. So great job, Nike, um, on throwing the Chicago State Meet, not States Meet, because there's only one state that was invited. Um, So with that, peace, boys. Chief covering all of it there. I like yeah. it. Got the state versus states correction there at the end as well. Yeah, I'm look, I mean, Nike's a massive corporation. There's gonna be people that do good things and people that do bad things within it. It's just at this point it's hard to say you have a shift in culture if you continue to hang on to the person who, at least within the running world, is bringing you uh, down at this point, which I don't think anybody can argue. Even if you believe in what he's saying, there's no there's no denying the fact that um, it's limiting Nike's ability to, you know, live the, you know, the values that they say that, that they have. But yeah, if they put, put on the race, that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. So. I mean, that's, yeah, they're not, I mean, they're not completely evil, even, well, Dwight might think that, but it just, it, They've done Dwight, some good where stuff. Dwight, where you at, Dwight? Yeah, where you at, um, Dwight? Tell us but, what you take, Dwight. Yeah, it's it's it, that's good. I'm glad they did that. That's the very least. I hope they do the right thing with Salazar. Mm-hmm. That's TBD. I think there's going to be more stuff coming out. They they're doing this investigation, which is an internal investigation, which Kane has already said isn't going to work. She's right. That's not how. Yeah investigations work that's not how like my son isn't going to investigate if he ate too many sweets yesterday that's just not going to be an investigation that he does himself um because we know that the conclusion (laughs) the conclusion will be one that that he finds uh, appropriate so i don't i don't know i just i think it's hard to see any massive changes coming but if they're smart they'll see the fact that they could maybe try to do things. I mean, they're so good at marketing, right? Like nobody disputes like Nike's ability to make a good commercial and make a good slogan. I mean, they have the best people in the world at that. You'd think if they're given the opportunity to make a pivot, that they could do it in a way that would make people feel confident that they're doing good but again it's not clear that that's the directive from from on high right yeah it's uh, it's interesting i don't know we'll see what happens with with all this stuff it's you know they're a massive massive company they're going to do some some good stuff and some bad stuff too but like i said yeah with this investigation thing i don't really know what to make about that just don't bring salazar back and that's pretty much all you really need to do should well, she's saying she wants to dig in deeper. It's just 
who do you get to? In, I mean, she talked about getting like USADA in there to in, investigate, but that's right. That's tough too because we're not you're not talking about things that are having to do with uh, what what they actually do. Yeah. Well, I it, mean, some of it, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, houseofrun at gmail dot com is the email address. If you're in Terre Haute, say hello. We'll be back next week, Thanksgiving week, to uh, do the turkey trot preview, get you guys ready for turkey trot, recap the meet, chat about other world records that were broken en route to longer distances. That's that's what the show's all about, you know? It's weird distances and cross-country time for that I'll give one full week. Well, and next week, I guess, to recap. Two! Two. You two. two. Count for two. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for downloading. Thanks to everybody who wrote in. To the one person who called in. Keep it up. Keep it up. We'll talk to you guys next week. Jessica Ennis can get Jan from the office to send you a cameo for 300 bucks. 300? Stan- Stanley, too. 300. <sighs> Kevin, 175. That's not bad. Oh, I'd rather do. I'd all in for Kevin. Yeah, Kevin would be way better than that. That's uh... Bob Vance, 80 bucks. All right. <laughs> from Vance Refrigeration? Absolutely.